What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Museum. Holy moly, man. It is episode 89. 89, this week. man. And we are jumping into this episode. It has been a crazy day, y'all. Yeah. I'm just kidding. So, if we're having a little bit more fun than normal, bear with us, right. man. Woo! Seriously, seriously. I got to tell you, I love what we do, yeah. and there is never a boring moment, no, is there? Like, no. we meet some. Some very interesting people yes, yes, to say do. the very least oh always always fun man yeah always seriously fun. seriously well our guest for this week zachary ray sherman yes man, his film cuck just premiered a couple weeks ago be sure to go check that out on select theaters and it is now on select platforms this is very much a loner type film very joker-esque so if you like the joker then definitely go watch cuck Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I have a great description for it. Great right, description right. for it. Right. People are going to love this interview. I think so too. And of course, we got the latest and greatest industry news going down. Oh, so many people have been bashing Marvel, man. I uh, look, like, I, okay. I'm going to hold off because I know you got some other stuff you want to say before we jump yeah, into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I got a little rant about that. Yeah. I got a little rant about that. And I'm just happy CEO there is fucking like. What the hell? Yeah, I'm, that's part of my rant because I love Iger. Yeah, I seriously. love Bob Iger because he thinks like we think, mm -hmm. and he let people know it, so it's fantastic. Hell yeah, hell yeah. And you got some fantastic hosts for your podcast episode this week. Myself, J-Lo Fantastic, and the one and only Mal. What up? Yes, that is right. And before we jump into this thing, you know we got to plug our merchandise website. Oh, go over to crazyantmedia.com, click on the merchandise tab, and start shopping for the latest and greatest greatest crazy ant media gear you'll all look hashtag crazy in it <laughs> it's true uh, well, who doesn't want to walk around with a damn ant on exactly you need to have a crazy ant that's exactly. all i'm saying just that's, saying uh, just saying man well, let's dive in man let's... all right so before we even get started with industry industry news we got to talk about this because I am getting really, really pissed off about this. Yeah. And it's so funny though. I just want, I just want to say, if you guys don't know, and you should know because you should be following us on social media and everything, but we're also a production company. Yes. We're, we're creators. You know, we don't just do this podcast. And it's, it's funny because one of the projects that we have in development that we're working on is almost directly about what's going on exactly. with Scorsese and all and all of these filmmakers yeah. coming out old school against the the new school. Yeah. And one of our main characters, one of the main antagonists in this project, is very much along those lines. An old school guy exactly. that's like, "Fuck all this new stuff!" Yeah. Blah 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 blah. So. We were relevant before it even happened. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe they saw what we were working on and decided to come clean. I don't know. Exactly. But let's jump into it. Scorsese Oof. and Francis Ford Coppola and like numerous Jennifer other. Uh, yeah, you know, like, I love her. We all love her, but yeah. Jennifer Aniston. All these people Ugh. bashing Marvel yeah. all of a sudden yeah. and the Marvel movies. Now, let me say this Francis Ford Coppola, Martin Scorsese, all these people, brilliant filmmakers Agreed. they're artists they're creators they're storytellers okay if you don't like the godfather something is seriously wrong with you that's all i'm gonna say yeah. it's your opinion but i mean i don't know many people who don't love that film yeah agreed. okay and and i mean for christ's sake scorsese just anything, anything i mean come on done, come yeah. on that said and i'm gonna say this i'm gonna also agree with this on them part of their argument is is that these tentpole films these marvel type films are eating up the box office and not allowing 
more artsy films, mm-hmm. more you know story driven films to have screens to yeah. play on. You know, yeah. and you see it all the time. Come on, if you go to the movies, you see limited release, or right. it's not at your theater. Yeah. You got to drive forty miles to go see that film. Yeah, I get that. I understand that argument, and I would be a little upset about that too. Yeah. But it is the nature of the industry and the beast, guys. This has been coming for 20 years now. It's it, Jaws. Yeah. Dun, dun, yeah. Dun, dun. It started yeah, it all. That's what the first it all big off. summer blockbuster tentpole film. Yep. There's a reason there was five Jaws movies, exactly. okay? And it started back in the 70s, yep. guys, to just pin all this anger on Marvel and mm-hmm. say it's all Marvel's fault and that it's not real film and not real cinema. It's just Oh, exactly. irking me. So it made me really, really happy when Bob Iger came out. And and, and I shouldn't say, he's not the first. Yeah. There's been numerous people in defense of all the Marvel movies. But when Iger came out and said, hey, enough is enough. Right. And he said it so nicely. Yeah. I mean, I love this guy. He's so cordial, so humble, and just a good guy. But he said it in the nicest possible way, enough is enough. Yeah. And, he, and the way he said it is that he got really offended when, when – um, Coppola used the word despicable. Yeah. And he said, come on, seriously? Despicable's for like murderers and for, you know, and and heinous crimes. Are you really calling my guys despicable? Are you comparing them to that? And then he got even more so defensive and he's like, listen, you're you're saying these, you're somehow implying that these filmmakers aren't filmmakers, that they're not on the same level with you. Exactly. And are you, and and he even referenced several. He's like, are you trying to tell me Ryan Coogler is not as talented? talented a filmmaker as you are and i got news for you i'm gonna shout this out there because i'm sure scorsese and coppola are listening but hey if you haven't seen fruitvale station yeah go watch fruitvale station and tell me that ryan coogler is not a storyteller or a filmmaker exactly okay you gotta lay and by the way all these below the line people who are busting their asses off probably four times harder on these films than they do on your films exactly. are real talent and real people and real craftsmen and real artists. So to knock them and somehow imply that they're not at a level that the people that work on your movies mm-hmm. are is fucking ridiculous. Agreed. That's all I'm saying. And I can say that because that's my opinion. Exactly. And I love their films. Exactly. I love them as filmmakers. Yeah. I'm old school. Anybody who listens to our podcast knows I'm an old school guy. I like film. I like old school storyteller kind of guys but i'm also a fucking comic geek and i love the marvel movies exactly. and guys they strung together an entire universe with multiple storylines and characters over a 10-year span exactly. if that's not a fucking storyteller I, I don't know what is like like i mean i, I just it's super crazy my opinion is you know because they came up in new hollywood so they were the one changing the game right so right from the black and white into this new hollywood um so many freaking epic movies like Taxi, Martin Scorsese's Taxi, and so much more. And, like, I feel they just – they're not up with the times anymore. They right. are no longer the young dog, the underdog. They are now, like, the person who you expect to make this huge, great film. I mean, when The Irishman was first announced, like, nobody expected that film not to get nominated for an Oscar. Right, exactly. So, I mean, I feel like now that there's just such this popularity with these new films, and like you said, they're so 
story driven even though they don't give them a chance these comic books are actually very story driven exactly and you know you bring up a good point and i'm so proud because you know he's a student of, of, <laughs> of the industry and, but you're right they were known as, as young hollywood the mm-hmm. new hollywood back in the 70s exactly. okay when you when you're talking about dennis hopper and and, and fonda and scorsese and exactly. all these guys coming out and bigdanovich and like all and guys i liken it to like when people said no fucking way you're gonna add sound Right. to a movie exactly. that's just not possible exactly. you can't do it and then all of a sudden it was the death of silent film exactly. guys it, it's evolution mm-hmm. this this kind of stuff happens it's just it's that's the way it is right and and i to say that somehow it's it's belittling it as less than what you do exactly. is just an unfair argument in Agreed. my opinion now i do want to see their their films oh, yeah. on more screens definitely okay I agree. But I've been an advocate for going back to single screen theaters. Right. I think th- I hate multiplexes. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I don't want to see that Avengers is on seventeen of the twenty screens it's in the so building. Crazy, yeah. You know, because it does hurt other films trying. Yeah. And for us, we're creators. Yeah, exactly. Our film being on one screen when it could be on five screens, exactly. but it can't be because this film is on twenty screens. Yeah. You know, that is a problem, and I, I understand that plight. But you got to stop the childish nonsense about attacking right. fellow filmmakers. Yeah. They are just as much artists as you guys yeah. are. And now I want to shift gears a little bit because I'm really, really happy about this. And it was very subtle but very clear. And that's how we're going to get into the industry news. Anybody who watched that Wall Street Journal interview with Iger and he very, very – because he defends Feige. He's like, are you calling my guy Feige despicable? Exactly. But it's how he said it and what he said very clearly. Are you calling Feige despicable? Kevin Feige who runs Marvel? Who runs Marvel? Marvel. Exactly. You guys, we talked about this last week. He was made chief creative officer, but that's not CEO. Exactly. That's not, you know, but Iger made very specifically clear he runs Marvel. Mm-hmm. So, is Ike on his way out? Right. I think so. I, we've talked about this. I, now, for anybody who doesn't know, Ike Permaletter is is the single largest shareholder of Disney. He became that way after Steve Jobs died. Um, he he. So so shareholder. He he's got significant hold, some power. Right. But apparently not enough because decisions are being made, and he's just been kind of set into a corner and told to shut the fuck up. Yeah, basically. And, I mean, basically. And all of the decisions are now being run through Kevin Feige. Yeah. And I'll tell you, if you guys don't listen to the show, this is where it started. There was an argument. Ike did not want Black Panther or Captain Marvel made. He didn't think that people would go see those movies. He thought it would be a waste of money. And even a little bit before that, when they were trying to make the sequel to Iron Man, and, kind of, and, and Feige wanted to up the budgets and kind of to do the stuff ike was like no way i'm not giving you the money and Iger's like i'm taking feige out to hollywood right. and he's running the show exactly. and you're gonna give him all the money we want to give yeah, him exactly and so it kind of started there there's kind of been a rift there and i just really think this is the end for ike yeah i mean right now i feel like he's just a figurehead he yeah was, he was around for like the heyday of the comic books and i feel right. like now he's just a figurehead right. and like we said with all the other stuff, it's evolution. It's evolution. And you know, Ike was strong on the publishing side. Yeah. He took great pride in the comic yeah, book exactly. side of it. 
But Feige's in control of that now, too. So, I mean, like, the chief creative officer meant the comics also. Exactly. So the one little piece of kind of like the baby that Ike still had left yeah, was taken. It's exactly. gone. It's done. So, and he's not he's not the only one. Uh, Jeff Loeb, for you guys, you know, he's the head of Marvel Television. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. That's it. He's walking out. He's yeah. you know because he would now have to report to Feige. Yeah. Um. But he says this had been in the making before Feige's promotion that he was planning on leaving. Yeah. Um. And he says that it's all going to be official by Thanksgiving. So mm-hmm. this whole time, you know, he'll be out. Feige will be in full control by Thanksgiving. Um. Kind of a thing. Let's let's talk about this, JLo, because we have theories on this. But I really think that this boils down to, and I'll, I'll tell you, I, I saw another interview with Iger speaking and Feige uh, talking about this. Apparently, Feige is a very, very, very big fan of Charlie Cox's Daredevil and mm-hmm. Vincent D'Onofrio and stuff, mm-hmm. and Jessica Jones. Yeah. Now, he doesn't specifically re- reference Luke Cage or Punisher or any of the rest of them, but he very specifically references... He loved the adaptation and versions of those characters that were brought to life by that. Now, you guys know that whole thing was fucked up when Netflix and and Disney got into the war over the streaming stuff. And there's supposedly this two-year gap that they have to wait before Disney can even touch them again, blah, 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 blah. I think the move with Feige was made because I think Feige is the guy that's capable of going over to Reed and Ted and saying, guys – we want these guys. What can we do to Agreed. to make this happen? Yeah. Um. I, I, and if not, Tom Holland can do it because exactly. <laughs> he fixed the Sony thing. I'm just exactly. saying. So I really do think that's where it is. They want these Marvel things over back where yeah. and they, and I. Feige's made no secret he wants to incorporate Daredevil and now apparently after reading this uh, Jessica Jones also into the MCU. Yeah. So and I think in order for that to happen, it, it, Iger wasn't going to be able to do it. Right. The rift there is too strong between yeah. them. Um, but I think Feige can. Yeah. And maybe Jeff Loeb knew that. And who knows? You know all the direction that they're going with. You know all these new shows on on Hulu. Mm-hmm. For you know, but. I mean, clearly Feige has made this effort to put all the new shows on Disney Plus. So right. what that means or doesn't mean, and we've actually got another little story in there about that too. Oh, excuse me, ABC wants a show, yeah. wants a Marvel show. Yeah, yeah. They announced it. So what that means, we we guys, we don't know. We're gonna keep following this, as you guys know. ABC is Disney owned. Yeah, so exactly. is Hulu. So, but. The focus seems to be on Disney Plus. So, yeah. will ABC be able to keep a Marvel's Agents of Shield's going off the air? Exactly. This is the final season. So, will they be able to keep a Marvel show on network? That that's the question. Yeah. And apparently, it won't be Jeff Loeb's decision. <laughs> it's going to be Kevin Feige's decision. <laughs> right. So, okay, I threw all that Marvel stuff in there. We got a little bit more Marvel stuff, but let's get to the top of the industry news, and we'll kind of bounce around a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um. So let's jump into it. You want to take it? Sure. Disney CEO. Yeah, Bob Iger. Recently announced that if you are a subscriber, you can download a movie from the service and put it on any device. And it uh, says that we'll stay on the device even if the movie leaves the service as long as you continue to subscribe. Right. And, and obviously we're talking about Disney+. Plus. Right. Um, so, and you guys have seen. I mean, when you make way for new content, they mm-hmm. take old stuff off. You yeah. know, it's a Netflix. how many times do you hear, this is what's on Netflix this month exactly. and here's what's leaving Netflix. Yeah. Well, Disney Plus is going to be the same way. So yeah. will HBO Max, all those kind of things. But this is really cool. Exactly. So as long as you stay a paid subscriber, even if the movie comes off of Disney+, Plus and you downloaded it, you'll be able it's to still have it. Yeah, that's epic because, I mean, that's kind of a game changer. I mean, 
the only one that's kind of like that is Amazon, and you have to buy the movies. Right, you have so, to buy the movie, exactly. So, yeah, this is going to be really interesting. See how much more like attention and uh, attraction it gains to Disney+. Plus. Like, Ag- agreed, because they're locking more and more things up in the vault. Exactly. You know, I saw just recently they're locking up a lot of 20th Century Fox stuff. Apparently really? there's been some exhibitors who have reached out to try to get the rights to show some older mm-hmm. 20th Century Fox films for like, you know, things in the park yeah. or you know how little yeah. people do fa- – and they've been told no. Oh, shit. So Fox is like – I mean Disney's like doing what they did with their films and yeah. locking them in the vault so that they're exclusively wow. when they want to release yeah. them. So damn, there That's you a go. Lot of power. It's a lot of power, but that even more so if you download it to your phone and you pay that eight ninety nine a month or whatever it's going to be, you get to keep the movie. So I, exactly. I like that. I like that a lot. Agreed, agreed. Well, I mean, sticking with Disney Plus, Hocus Pocus sequel is in the works at Disney Plus. I know this was a huge Halloween movie for Disney Channel when it first came yes. out. Um, it didn't do pretty well. It didn't do really well at the box office, but it was a huge cult classic on actual Disney Channel. Uh, Jen D'Angelo, who will serve as writer and co-producer, uh, she was from the Workaholics. You might have seen some of her work on there, and she is uh, hired to write the script for Hocus Pocus 2. Sources say D'Angelo has been tasked with finding a way to bring back the original cast. I mean, you got Bette Midler as Winfred, Sarah Jessica Parker as Sarah, and Kathy Nabjimi uh-huh. as uh, Mary. <laughs> and none of them are attached at the moment, but, I mean, it would be pretty epic just to see the original cast make a return or, like, play some part into it, honestly. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, you, you, you said it. It's, it's a beloved film. It yeah. was a cult classic. And at times throughout the last several years, all three of the stars have expressed interest yeah. in coming back to it. Exactly. So I feel like it's the right time, and and with the platform of Disney Plus, right. I think they'll get them. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, a lot of people didn't realize that Bette Midler, along with Nick Nolte and some others, were some of the stars that were hugely successful for the turnaround under Eisner's mm-hmm. reign. Wow. You know, when they created Touchstone Pictures yeah. and started to take. Either actors who hadn't been around for a while or right. had kind of been tarnished a little bit mm-hmm. but wanted to make a comeback and kind of – and they were huge into it. So yeah. Bette Midler's got a good relationship with Disney. It's been yeah. a solid – so I really think it's a smart move on their part. You, I mean we've talked about this before. There are others that I think they shouldn't be redoing to yeah. put on Disney Plus like Home Alone and yeah. all these. But this one is a good one. I think right. this is a good idea and I think it will work for them. Hell yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Well, jumping back into Marvel because yes. we're all about it. Yes. Oh my yes. goodness. This Thor. one is cool. Yeah. Thor loves Love and Thunder, okay? It not only marks Natalie Portman, and guys, this was like a shocker, I think, for a lot of people because I think everybody thought Natalie Portman had was an done. Awful time she, on had, set. she hated yeah. Jane and yeah. blah, 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 blah. But apparently, none of that was true. Apparently, this was all the planned out, you know, right. this is when Jane was going to come back. So it is Natalie Portman's return to the MCU. Mm-hmm. She will be wielding the hammer, the yes. mighty Mjolnir. Yes. And alongside Chris Hemworth's. Yeah. For, uh, Thor. So this is what I'm excited about, though. It the storyline that they're taking involves Jane's battle with cancer. Mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons she becomes Thor yeah. is to save her from the cancer. I, I don't want to give away too much, but if you read the comic books, you understand it's a, it's a really powerful, moving storyline in yeah. the comic books about her battle with cancer and all the kind of stuff. This is the storyline that they're taking now. It, there's been no confirmation yet from why Kiti Kitiki or or Natalie Portman yeah. or Chris Hemsworth or anybody from Marvel at that point yet that this would indeed involve the cancer storyline. Yeah. But I'm thinking all of them want it to involve the yeah. the, the cancer storyline. Agreed. And wouldn't that be a nice 
F you to like Scorsese and all them like hey fuck you we're gonna do cancer exactly. is this a story right. or is this a story driven you know exactly. kind of so that I, I mean I, I think that would be great yeah I th- and, and it is such a good storyline from the comic book agreed, so I'm really hoping that and something else we realized about Thor that he is the first one to get a fourth movie yeah like yeah, yeah not Iron Man not yeah. Cap not a, oh, Thor yeah Chris Hemsworth I wasn't expecting that no like, I wasn't either like, I would have thought for sure you know Downey Jr. Yeah. Oh, I mean, to be fair, now Downey Jr.'s been in the most, right? Just cameos or, or right. whatever. But yeah, full, full, you know, full out feature Thor. Yeah. First one to get the fourth one. Yeah. To be fair though, isn't he like the only one though from the very beginning? You said he would play Thor as long as, as Marvel would long have him. As, yeah. Yeah. So exactly. <laughs> the rest He's of them. Are, yeah. So I mean, no wonder they're giving him the fourth film first, right? Exactly. Guys willing to play it forever. I mean, you Hell know. Yeah. Hell yeah. Now switching it over to another huge mega. Disney franchise, Star Wars, mm, yes. The Rise of Skywalker. Did anybody see that trailer? Oh, man. Okay, I'm just going to say it. The trailers, I think this last final trailer, was it, it was a direct deflection of what you saw in the last one with right. everybody freaking out about Dark Ray. Right. Because this time, Shane Dark, exactly. she's fighting with, you yeah, know, if you Kylo, haven't seen yeah. it, watch it. But she's fighting with Kylo. Oh, my goodness. I know. Oh, my goodness. So many questions, man. I think that's what J.J. is trying to do, though, is have yeah. so many questions in the trailer so that more people will go see it and more people will find the answers. Because like we said multiple times on this show that – the Last Jedi was not well received. It was not. And yeah. yet I saw Ryan Johnson is still moving forward with his trilogy that doesn't involve really? the Skywalker stuff, yeah. just his own separate like trilogy. Like Rogue One, yeah, like yeah. bullshit. Yeah, just – Which is so, gonna, that's going to be interesting too because those main characters died at the end of that one. Right. So, so I, I, I don't know what his trilogy is going to involve, but you're right. I mean fans, lukewarm at best to yeah. his – second in the end exactly. trilogy here and so for him to go okay i'm just gonna make three more right. will people even want to see it well that, yeah that's and my thing is people were so excited about the force awakens the first one that came back oh and it was a land i mean it yeah. was boom yeah. huge, huge you know huge and people loved rogue one but like no one really reacted well to the so- solo star wars story which i mean was a decent film in my opinion i thought so too i yeah. enjoyed it yeah and uh no one liked The Last Jedi. It yeah. was, especially Rogue One is the one that surprises me because that one's like barely in the storyline. It's the one I felt like was the filler of the water that right. test if they could still make this franchise without the family. I have I have a theory though about why people have been lukewarm to, to these new Star Wars films. And I was talking about this the other day with somebody and – I think it's in part due to the long gap. Yeah. You know, between even between the three originals and then Lucas himself, you know, prequel. And then the one. And because remember, the prequels weren't necessarily received very well either they they did they did good at the box office but a lot of fans were disappointed with them remember the backlash jar jar binks and all this kind of stuff yeah but my theory on this is because the first three films which now we know are the middle three films they were so popular and after their run a lot of people started creating canon. Yeah. They wrote books. They wrote novels. They they did little shorts and the kind of thing. And over this long, huge span, this canon kind of developed about this is what happens to the family. This is what happens in the in the in the battle. Yeah. This is what happened. And so all of a sudden, 
Lucas comes out and says, well, that's not right at all. Here's exactly. what actually the beginning is. Yeah. And now on the flip side of that, they're saying, well, that's not right either with like Kylo and, yeah. and, and Ren and stuff. They're, they're, or Ray, they're saying – uh, well, that's not right either. Because for anybody who knows, and can't, I mean, they're twins. Yeah. There's no hiding about know, who right? is, whose identity they are or whatever, like they're doing in the movies. I think that's my theory. I think these people waited so long and just developed their own history of what they thought yeah. Star Wars was. Yeah. And now that it's not what they thought it was, they're not happy exactly. with it. And that, I mean, could be a problem when you wait 20, 30 years to make sequels yeah, or prequels I, I mean you know people will develop their own thoughts on exactly, it i mean exactly because i mean well, i mean <laughs> marvel has really just laid the template they okay? have like they have. seriously of a successful franchise of universe basically right like so yeah like you said for them to wait that long it's a new generation right like, if not two new generations exactly so i mean there could be that gap like that people are just not interested in it so. right exactly i mean and guys the the novels and the comic books and the and and the short and like all these they were wildly successful exactly i mean it's same thing happened in star trek when yeah. william shatner himself started writing books exactly. to to expand the storyline or whatever yeah i mean the same thing happened there but but they became so popular that star wars fans just locked in like exactly. this, this is, is it this is the story and now that it's not there you know but like you said at the beginning of this i think to jj's credit he was oh excuse me one of those fans of the canon after and of the original films and he's doing his very best right and i like he tries to avoid the word fix it yeah he's saying he's just doing his story right but i do think and i'll say it yeah fix it yeah he's gonna send off the legacy the right way he's gonna fix the whole kylo ray thing that that the last one fucked up and and i I think he's gonna put it out the right way and even their tagline what does it say the saga ends but the story will last forever or something something like like that that. he's clearly setting that up so i I just well and it's really interesting too because like it lucas had kind of a disadvantage he was obviously far ahead of his time because if the first like if the first trilogy the one that came out in the 70s and early 80s if that one was um made like with nowadays technology it would have been a whole different ball game right it would have been a whole different ball game and 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 what i don't think a lot of people realize is that nowadays technology that they're using to make all these things spawned from his technology none of this stuff that's happening today happens without lucasfilm because skywalker ranch and 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 all of the all of the thx sound you know all of the special effects industrial light and magic all of that's created by him for star wars and that's all gone pixar guys was created by george lucas i don't know how many people know that but it's true it was a company not called pixar at the time but it was his that that jobs came in and got yeah so george lucas is really responsible for all of the stuff that we're seeing now in some way or another like you said he was just light years ahead of his time and and but now technology is caught up and and it's amazing. We can say this. We want to we we want to say yeah. The, the reason why we brought up Star Wars, yeah. <laughs> it 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 is selling. I, I guess a lot of people do want to see if JJ is going to fix it. Yeah. Um. It's already on its way to becoming a huge record setting movie. Um. Within the first twenty four hours after tickets went on sale, uh, it was had the second best first day sale of movie tickets, um, on Fandango. Only behind Endgame. 
Yeah. Uh, which Disney is yeah. loving every second of yeah, exactly. because both of them are theirs. Just and I'm sure we're going to see another record similar to that with the Avatar stuff, but mm-hmm. that now also is Disney, mm-hmm. so they don't care. It's so fucking um, crazy. But yeah, only by at, at first it was on pace. It was selling about 45% more than Endgame yeah. in the first couple hours, but I guess it leveled out. It and so down. now second yeah. biggest day ever behind Endgame. Yeah. But that said, they said if it follows through on its pacing, it will sell two and a half times more more tickets yeah. pre-sale than last jedi did yeah which just says to me people are interested to see if and remember for anybody who doesn't know the force awakens was jj yeah exactly. so you know he did the first and the third and we had to hiccup in the middle but uh no disrespect to ryan johnson no, no. i just said uh, yeah. um i think a lot of people are curious to see what jj is going to close it out with so agreed. i think that's why it's selling the way it is agreed agreed well, let's hop over to another streaming giant, mm. Netflix, the the grandfather of the streaming yeah. services, I should say. Yes, um, yes. The OG. The, yeah, the OG <laughs> streaming. Um, crazy shit, man. You guys know that we love Netflix, but we've been having some questions about what kind of choices they've been making yeah. and on money yeah. spending and a whole bunch of shit. It just doesn't look like the old Netflix from – few years ago it doesn't so now netflix is projected to spend 15 billion dollars on content in 2019 we've been talking about this the past couple weeks just about how obscene amount of money they are spending so there's the definitive number 15 billion dollars and just this year alone just this 15 year. billion dollars think what you could do with 15 billion dollars. i mean that that's that's like you know that that's in jeff bezos pocket right exactly. now exactly but for everybody else exactly. <laughs> like you know just think about like you said what you could do with that exactly um yeah the, and so okay they just announced uh, remember they want to spend 15 billion so they just announced that they're raising two billion more you know, to go towards that $15 billion. They're going to do it like they did the last time by uh, raising the money through junk bonds. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did that before. They raised a billion dollars. Uh, this is the eighth time sure. they've raised a billion dollars or more using the junk bond Damn. system. Um, the last time they did it was $2 billion back in April. Yeah. So, guy, I mean, so $2.2 billion ran out between April and now. Yeah. And they have to do another $2 yeah. billion. That's like – but you – I mean we talk about it every week on the show. They spend hundreds of millions to get this. They've yeah. spent hundreds of millions yeah. to get this and this movie and that movie and then trying to get the rights to shows and like all this kind of stuff. I mean they are spending out the ass, Dude, guys. it's fucking crazy. Like – Oh, I'm just, I hope they're doing it all legally, like, of what they come out with. Obviously, it's been fine, but, man, yeah. this is some, like, Wolf of Wall Street type shit, it, I feel like. It's just, it's it's crazy, and speaking of crazy, I was shocked by this. I, I saw it the other day, and I just want to bring it up. We don't technically have it in there, but I want to bring it up because Reed Hastings and Ted Sarandos are visionaries. They're brilliant guys, Agreed. okay? And they normally are very calculated about what they say and don't say and are very careful. You know, They're very deliberate in, in what they publicly say. And I, th- I just think this was a major hiccup from a guy who's otherwise been stellar in public speaking. Ted Sarandos the other day said that the reason, the only reason that Friends in the Office are still popular is because they're on Netflix. Ooh, that mm. – that's rough, man. I mean, I, th- I think that was a horrible thing to say. Yeah. I mean, did you introduce them to a whole new audience? Yes, yeah. because there's a platform there that wasn't there before. Yeah, exactly. You know? and, and did you allow the old audience to find them again? Yes. But, guys, 
they were selling the reruns to fucking TBS and all these other, you know, cable channels for years before Netflix. And the show has been popular since it started. Exactly. After it went off, all through the runs on TBS and cable and now on Netflix. To say that the only reason it's still popular is because of Netflix. I, just my opinion. Yeah. A huge hiccup, Ted. It is. You know, man. you got to come out and clarify that, and 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 maybe state it the way that I just said it. That right. you introduced it to a younger audience yeah. or found it. You know, yeah. you did do some yeah. great things for friends, but the only is a bit arrogant. Exactly. And I mean that. Do you want arrogant when you're about to face a shit ton of competition? Right. I just like, I thought it was a hiccup. Because in my case, like I always grew up with friends. My mom was a huge fan. Right. We watched it while it was on, watched the reruns on TBS, but I hadn't seen like it all the way through because they don't play it in right. chrono- chronological order. So when Netflix comes out with it, I can binge watch it all the way through. Yes, you introduced a younger audience to the whole story, but it still had a massive core oh, audience. Absolutely. So, like, like, this is just a stupid comment to make. It is a stupid comment to make. And and, and, and to clarify, just like to, in most layman terms, and, and I know you'll agree with this, it's one of those shows that – no matter where you see it, not Netflix, TBS, whatever, if you're flipping through and it's on, you stop and watch it. Oh, yeah. And that doesn't matter whether it's Netflix or if you saw it on cable or if it's playing in somebody's house yeah. when you walk in, you sit down and watch it. Exactly. Th- that is the testament as to why it's still so popular. Exactly. It's just one of those clickbait shows that if it's on, you watch it. Yeah. And, and so, yeah. There's just, a reason why it did, like, what? Two or three million at the box office for its twenty fifth year exactly, anniversary. Like, exactly, super freaking crazy, man. So, so just yeah, just I wanted to throw that in there because he's normally so careful about yeah. what he. But that was so bad. Agreed, agreed. Well, something else that is pretty freaking crazy that uh, has to do with a Netflix writer. Writer Catherine Ryan says her boyfriend fought off a mass burglar to save a laptop that contains scripts for her new Netflix shows coming up. Uh, the Duchess, it's announcing the, the the show that announced last November. Netflix said Ryan would play a fashionably distributive single mom whose daughter, Olive, is her greatest love and who is debating on having a second child with the greatest enemy, Olive's dad. Now, see, that sounds hilarious yeah. to me. So I I can see why she was super guarded about the scripts. But Jesus, I I mean, like, really? I know, right? Somebody was trying to break into her house to get scripts for the show? It's like, is this where the streaming wars are going? Like, this motherfucker was going to steal her scripts and Uh, rewrite them a little bit uh, and then try to give them off to, like, Apple Plus or something? I mean, like, what the fuck? You remember that uh, that English guy that he had his car broken in? Yeah. I forget his name. Yeah. That was caught with a prostitute. Exactly. Yeah, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. Yeah, hit that guy. He, uh. Yeah, like I don't understand why this is happening so much recently. It seems like, really, it's really weird. Starvation, man, of original content. That's yeah. what it is. Like if they see something that's clicking and they can profit off of it or somehow utilize it, I mean, boom. Exactly. You know, and I, I mean, clearly, what other motive could have you had? Yeah, what you hate the show, so you want to make sure it doesn't air, right, so you're like going to steal weird, the scripts. Yeah. I really feel like or it's a something... vendetta against her. Like it's yeah, just it's super just crazy. it's super crazy. And how about her husband? Yeah. 
or boyfriend. Seriously. I mean, just so like, just come on. Them off. Yeah, yeah, just fight Kudos to him. Right? Like, damn, you must love her. Right? Put a ring Seriously. on it. Put a ring on it. Right. If you're willing to, like, risk your life to save her scripts, you, you might be ready for marriage. I'm just saying. It's Hell good. Yeah. It's good. Hell yeah. Well, continuing on with Netflix, Seth Meyers, you know, a late night host and huge on Saturday Night Live, is getting his own stand-up special on Netflix. It is announced that his stand-up special will premiere November 5th in the... The late night host special is going to contain stuff about politics, fatherhood, and reasons not to take your girlfriend to Paris for your anniversary. That's going to be yeah, interesting like, to see. That. <laughs> well, we know there's been some shit happening in Paris. I mean, Kim Kardashian got yeah, robbed in yeah. Paris. Like, I mean, it's true. I'm, Seth Meyers, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I like Seth Meyers. Yeah. He's just he's got a very particular type of comedy. Yeah, for me. it would be kind of like um, John Stewart doing stand-up right. comedy, or like Colbert Port. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. Be, it is. It is. It's gonna be. I'm curious to see how it does. Yeah, honestly, I, it just. But it's one of those things, though. It's it, it's these these Netflix comedy specials have been extremely popular. They have. They've done well for Netflix, and it's one just another thing to add to their content list. Exactly. And which, by the way, they're bragging. Because according to numbers, they have over 7,000 titles on currently on Netflix between movies and TV shows. Yeah. And they boast about it because Disney Plus, which is the big one everybody's fearing, is coming out with like barely 100. Yeah. A hundred. Yeah. Netflix has seven thousand. Yeah. So, you know, everybody's talking about, oh, but content, content. Disney has all the vaults and all the – but I mean, to start off with, they're they're not even coming exactly. close. So Netflix is kind of boasting about that a little bit. But we'll see. Yeah. I mean, it maybe it's just all comedy specials. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, you don't know. You don't know. Well, I mean, speaking of content, 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 HBO Max is teaming up with Monica Lewinsky. Yes, that, that Monica Lewinsky. Lewinsky. <laughs> 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 you knew it was going. Yes, yes. Uh, she's gonna work on a documentary. A documentary uh, that will focus on public shaming which yeah we all know about her story with the president clinton there so this is going to be crazy <laughs> the documentary is going to be called 15 minutes of shame along with she's going to be tagged with uh director max joseph the catfish catfish tv show director so that's kind of a interesting team up uh, it is i mean is there is there a, like a, a hidden message there like you know because exactly. i feel like maybe catfishing was kind of involved right in that whole like, kind of it you know i mean yeah. like seriously it was just i want to know it will the blue dress make an appearance yeah, in, yeah, in the documentary know. you never I know mean, man you know i feel like they are gonna like touch on her story at least since i mean it's coming from her well and, and i mean to be fair she was the subject of a lot of bullying oh yeah bill clinton was an extremely popular president exactly and even when he got caught and had to own up yeah. his popularity was still there and exactly. she took a lot of heat for yeah. for like i mean a lot of people hated her for exactly. like bringing him down if you will or you know or breaking you know getting mm -hmm. involved with hillary and him blah 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 i mean she took some shit yeah, exactly i mean exactly. so it's gonna focus on uh Publicly shaming and also explore bullies, bystanders, media members, psychologists, and experts in between. That's going to be – I'm going to watch it. Yeah. I mean just to see what she says. There's so many documentaries about this type of shit that comes out that just turns in to be like a success, honestly. I mean we saw how – I mean of course this is completely different, but we saw how uh, – the genre is completely different. We saw how um, 
surviving R. Kelly and um, Michael Jackson's one yeah, did. Yeah, and I feel like this will be another cult phenomenon. I, I agree, and I mean, I just the Woodstock one. I just got done watching yeah. the Woodstock one. We can fuck. We can even go to the Ted Bundy tapes. Exactly. I, it seems like documentaries are the thing right now, yeah. and, and you know, if you find a subject that that gets people, yeah, you know, and I, Monica Lewinsky, I, I I just think that's a topic that everybody knows, exactly. no matter what age you are. And agreed, I think agreed. it's going to do well. And it's the second feature length documentary that HBO Max has picked up they are also picking up expecting amy which follows comedian amy schumer through her difficult time during while having pregnancy while preparing for a stand-up special so <laughs> yeah that's going to be interesting how the i guess come up with content while you're pregnant no words crickets i mean did <laughs> you I know. Do, do people want to watch her I, struggle trying to write jokes while she's pregnant? I know. Like it, <laughs> I felt like I just, she she already hit her peak and she's like trying to recover, even with comedy specials. I, right. I mean, I, I, I agree. I don't think her comedy is that popular as of what it was like a few years ago. I, I, I don't either, and I don't think this is going to help. Yeah. I mean, my silence was real right there, exactly. guys. I'm just like, what? Yeah. Nobody cares. Exactly. Nobody cares like if you were trying to do a special while you were pregnant. Right. Like, I yeah. mean. It's crazy. It's crazy. Well, you know, the content that is already coming to HBO Max properties, including like Friends, you know, the one that was made popular by Netflix. Yeah. Um, <laughs> only Bang, because of only Netflix. because of Netflix. <laughs> The Big Bang Theory, Game of Thrones, The Sopranos, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and so many others. So they're coming locked and loaded, man. They're they really are. Hard. What, 20 scripted and unscripted original series? Yeah. And several feature films. Yeah. To which Netflix would answer 7,000. Exactly. Oh, you've got 20. Ooh, we're scared. Exactly. I mean, I, you, but you got to get, I mean, Netflix has to do that. Yeah, exactly. They got to find something because you know that they're worried. Exactly. I mean, so you got to find something, right? Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, they're freaking trying to replace the cult phenomena, well, overall phenomena of Game of Thrones. Yeah. They're, they're looking yeah. for their next big thing. Yep. And it looks like Watchmen, that uh, comic book adaptation series yeah. premiere it's going over pretty well uh it was the most watched debut on digital platforms since westworld wow yeah yeah okay and i you know what i liked the the zack snyder film did you yeah, yeah i really did jeffrey dean morgan i i just thought there was it was a phenomenal yeah. cast and i i really enjoyed the adaptation look but, I, i'm just gonna say when i was younger i had no idea about any of this so i didn't even know it was a comic book movie and when the blue dude's naked, it was weird. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, okay. All, all right, like, all right. Why is he I mean, glowing and why can I see his penis? Yeah, like, well, and you don't normally see heroes raping other heroes yeah, either. But, I mean, that happens too in the right. movie. But, I mean, I, I enjoy it. It's supposed to be a dark. Yeah. And think very much the boys, like, yeah. the, you know, right now. It, it, it's along those lines. Uh, obviously based on Dave Gibbons and Alan Moore's uh, graphic novel. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, 1.5 million multi-platform viewers mm -hmm. so that's pretty epic yeah um and i mean shit man like i i i just got a question i mean that does scorsese and coppola think this is like art <laughs> right exactly like you know because this is a comic book thing i, I know. mean you know, I know why are people even watching for a million and a half people watch it well I, mean, I wonder if their stigma is strictly from comic book things or strictly superhero things because i wonder what they think about the walking dead or strictly marvel or marvel it just seems yeah. like i mean i haven't heard them yet attack a dc film yeah, but to be fair true. dc films didn't keep them off any screens yeah, like i mean <laughs> with the exception of aquaman and wonder woman not me yeah, you could still be on 
a lot of screens if it was a DC exactly. movie. But um, which it's funny because Martin Scorsese was attached to Joker. Exactly. So which exactly. Is really weird, it's which makes really it weird. Looks like it's focused at Marvel. Right. Oh my gosh, I saw a great somebody made. You know Marvel's logo. Yeah. You know Marvel Studios logo. Yeah. Well, they did it with Martin Scorsese's name oh. it, it, with the Marvel logo yeah. with the red. Oh, it's so. And I want the T-shirt yeah. so bad. It's That's like hilarious. fuck you, Scorsese. We're gonna make money off of it. Right. <laughs> like, but it's it's interesting to watch and i'm sorry i just had to take the dig because like i mean from now on are these guys are are they so old and crankety that they're gonna be just dogging everything, everything. Like, like you know because a lot of this stuff is brilliant stuff guys yeah so agreed agreed and my thing with hbo is i feel like if they pay for the subscription for like comcast or on demand or whatever mm-hmm. if you pay for that subscription then i feel like you should also put those shows on HBO Max. Agreed. I feel like all of it should be just one thing. If you still have a cord, which we know that's getting cut more and more every it's day. True. So, I mean, I feel like it should be a bundle thing. Uh, yeah, you know what, opinion. though? I mean, you bring that up, and I'll tell you who's who's been doing that very quietly and with a lot of success is CBS. Mm. There's been some shows that debuted on CBS All Access, like The Good Fight, that was the spinoff from The Good Wife and everything, that they've taken and now aired on network, and vice versa, a couple of their big hits on network that they've put over on CBS All Access, and it's worked really well for them. So yeah, that's an idea for sure. I think if you're like, if you have one, you should maybe put it on the other, but only after it's aired. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Good Fight was well into its second season before... They decided to air the first season on network. Yeah. So I mean, I you know I think there's a it's a win win there. So that's a good idea. Maybe HBO should listen. Agreed. Agreed. You want to go over to Amazon there? Yes. Yes. Okay. For anybody who doesn't know, and and these are always weird to me because. Netflix doesn't tell you shit, but apparently Nielsen has been tracking their ratings, but they never tell us anything Anything. about what the ratings is. Well, now I guess Amazon is going to join into that not telling you anything fun. (laughs) Uh, Nielsen has now added Amazon Prime Video to their subscription streaming services that they track. Mm Uh, Nielsen's uh, video on demand content ratings originally, like we just said, uh, launched last, uh, well, October in 2017 with Netflix. But here's the thing. They do this really weird metric algorithm type thing. And the Nielsen's only look at a portion of what's being viewed, Mm -hmm. not like in totality. So how they come up with these numbers or how many households or how many views or it's really confusing. And it only does it, – it, it measures connected TV viewing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't count if you're watching it on your phone yeah. or a desktop computer or – and I mean shit tons of people do that. Yeah. I mean so it doesn't – none of that plays into it. Agreed. And they said that they're going to keep that strategy with Amazon. Yeah. So that's why I was making the joke that I guess we're not going to know any real numbers from Amazon right. either. Like what is even the point? Exactly. Why are Amazon and Netflix – paying nielsen's right. to track this stuff if we don't even get accurate numbers yeah. out of it like I, I just i don't know yeah it's really weird man it's really weird because i mean um besides social media you can't really tell how successful a film is Mm-mm. for streaming services so you can't i how do we know how do we know yeah i i, I don't i don't know where the the system breaks down or where it comes or how they develop these numbers but i especially in tv yeah. i think it's really unfortunate because 
I feel like, and I'm guilty. I'm a binge watcher. I, I'll be the first to admit, but I mean, sometimes you just have to do it. Like R- raising Dion, I just yeah. had to watch all the exactly. episodes at once or whatever. But I think the problem with that, when it translates to network TV, mm-hmm. is that people have become so accustomed to it that the networks now don't give shows a solid chance. Agreed. Um, Bluff City Law, for example. Yeah. yeah, I hear that. I think the movie's being made to put them onto the the streaming service. Yeah. But regardless, they're ending production on network after the first 10 episodes and i i I feel like there were a lot of shows that were victims of they didn't blow up right out of the gate but guys sometimes like in the good old days you had to let an audience find the show you had to build your audience and let them get attached to the characters and i think this the binge watching trend has kind of made it like if you're not immediately grasped right away and your numbers aren't right off the thing you're taken off the air and i think it's really unfortunate and I thought that's what the ratings were supposed to try to help with. Exactly. But when you can't get any legit numbers, then I, I mean, I just don't know how it works. I agree. I don't know. I agree. Well, this next one's absolutely crazy because anyone who follows entertainment industry and follows like the box office numbers just for fun and not actually in the entertainment industry, this is going to suck for you guys. It is. Honestly, honestly. Box Office Mojo has been transformed into IMDb Pro Site. Yep. Which is crazy because now you have to pay for IMDb Pro to see other things besides like the weekend numbers. Right. Like I like a box office mojo used to be so kick ass because you could go there and you can compare films. Right. Like how did Iron Man do against Iron Man three yeah. or how did Batman do versus you know Iron Man or you know all these things. You could also find out what the all time box office numbers were records you know like right. biggest opening this and that and all. But now basically all you're going to be able to see is like what they did on the weekend. Exactly. Um, or for that day. Yeah. But you're not going to be able to track all of the different things that now that's subscription based and you're going to have to have imdb pro to see that um so yeah because box office mojo is a really popular site yeah even industry people studio people guys used it to track numbers you know and they're not going to be able to do that anymore um so yeah and uh, several filmmakers were pretty upset i mean a lot of people blew up on twitter about it but even like actual filmmaker right. edgar wright baby driver uh, you know so he was pissed he's yeah. like um excuse me can you put it back right you know I like I, we want to be able to use it the way it was exactly um but you know we talk about imdb pro all the time yeah. we love the app yeah we think it's a fantastic service we pay for it you know to to put full disclosure out there we pay for it every yeah. month but in my opinion well worth it and you could kind of see it coming because with the whole star meter, you know, when they started tracking movies right. and stars yeah. and TV shows. And for anybody who doesn't know, Amazon owns IMDb, and which now also owns Box Office right. Mojo. Um, so, but you could see it coming if you had IMDb Pro. You could see them slowly incorporating all the box office stuff into, into that, that app. Right. So, this, I mean, this wasn't. I know it caught a lot of people off guard, and probably, I mean, ninety percent of them people who didn't have imdb pro but for anybody who did this was no like major shocker that it was kind of coming yeah um and guys i'm just gonna be honest because we love imdb pro so we're just gonna say it's worth it yeah if you really want to still know the numbers you can still know your box office numbers and a shit ton more yeah there's so much amazing information on it and it's really not that expensive yeah yeah for what you probably blew on lunch today you could get Exactly. A whole month of IMDb Pro. So exactly. while it sucks, and I, I mean I do hate it for, like you said, just your general doesn't care about right. the rest of the yeah. industry, just wants to see the box office. It sucks. Yeah. But for everybody else, I think, get over it. Yeah. 
<laughs> just get it, it, is what it, is. it is what it is. Oh, man. It is what it is for focus features. Oh, man. Downtown Abbey is now the highest focus features, highest grossing movie ever at the domestic box office. Yeah. 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 Knocked off Brokeback Mountain. Yeah. Seriously, Broke- man. <laughs> That broke back mountain. That yes, broke back mountain. Um, so, but this goes to back to like what we were talking about with the friends thing. Like, let's not take credit for this one, Netflix, right? Or BBC mm-hmm. or anything. Like, this show is massively popular, yeah. and to draw out that much at the box office, these are people that just were fans of the show, went and watched the movie exactly. at the box office. So it it just goes to back to people are you either they like it or they don't exactly. it has nothing to do with where the venue is or what they're watching it on they either like it or they don't and downton abbey was a huge massive hit clearly enough yeah. to draw it to the movie exactly. audience and i think i, I just and i want to I just put this out there but i mean i know it'll probably never happen because um jude law and robert downey jr's version is massively popular yeah but i think benedict Cumberbatch is Sherlock yeah. would see similar success like Downton Abbey. Mm-hmm. Such a massive, huge cult yeah. hit. I think those people would turn out in droves to see it in the theater. Yeah. Um, don't know. Just throwing that out there, but I, I'm just saying it's those type things. And you brought it up. To Friends did yeah. phenomenal on its little exactly. did, So always interesting to see. But congrats to them, man. I, I really like Downton Abbey, and I, I'm, I'm glad it did well. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Oh man, now the director rebel without a cause. Um, Mm. Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood will most likely not be screened in China. And that is because he does not want to go by China's rules, basically, by cutting certain scenes. Yeah, yeah, no, he just will not back down to them. Um, They want him to cut out a bunch of stuff. Here's the crazy thing, though. There's some controversy behind this because apparently when asked what scenes were controversial what scenes they wanted cut out they wouldn't give uh the sony a a legitimate answer Mm -hmm. and see sony's in a bind because they gave final control to tarantino he has final cut meaning that anything that's theatrically seen he has the final say on and he refuses to do it so sony's gonna lose a shit ton of money by not having it air there but here's where the controversy comes in they won't tell them what scenes were objectionable but according to an inside source it was put on hold to be released there after and you guys know about this story because we've been talking about it after bruce lee's daughter filed a complaint with the Chinese Film Commission um, saying that she was not happy with the interpretation of her father in the film. And guys, I I mean, Bruce Lee was a huge fucking star in China, okay? He's like revered as one of the all-time greats. Um, Scorsese? Uh, right. Uh, yeah. Any um, opinion? You know, any opinion? Um, was he an actor? Was it no, not story? I don't right, know. Right. Exactly. Um, but anyway, so I mean, this makes sense. He's like a national treasure yeah, in China. Exactly. So I mean, if somebody's not happy with it and they feel it belittles him, mm-hmm. they're not going to show it. I agree. And so this could be the real reason yeah. why. But the only loser in this, because Quentin doesn't care. No. You know, is Sony. Exactly. Because I mean, you know, it's, money. it's a lot of money. China's a big market, and exactly. I mean, they're going to lose a lot of money. So. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. Which may be why they're doing this next thing. Yeah, so freaking crazy, man. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is returning to movie theaters in the thick of award season with a special re-release that will include over 10 minutes of new footage 
Sony has announced the re-release will begin in about a thousand theaters across U.S. and Canada, beginning Friday, October twenty. That's this week, man. Yeah. I'm stoked. I'm stoked. That, yeah, today. Yeah. It's today. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my goodness! It'll feature never before seen included scenes, book ending, the theatrical cut. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's gonna be awesome. So, so a couple of new scenes in the front and a couple mm-hmm. of new scenes in the back. Exactly. Dude, how? What is in the back? Right. Exactly. Because After I mean, that. I mean, is it long enough? It's long I enough, feel like right? It is. It's long enough. I mean, that whole crazy Manson, Sharon Tate not dying thing. How do you like bookend that with anything more crazy exactly. than that? Like that whole ending with the whole Manson family shit was insane. Yeah, I mean, and Agreed. epic yeah. in every way possible. It I just was. can't even imagine what else this guy's got I in know. his genius mind that they crazy. could have added to the film to make it like you know. So, that, like I said, I'm poking. I, I mean, you know, re-release because they need the money because they can't be in China. But I mean, guys, this is an awards push. Yeah, they're exactly. re-releasing it close to the end of the year, so you remember it yeah, if you exactly. didn't see it during the summer, and so that you know, Leo and Brad can get nominated. Yeah. I mean, let, let's be honest about it. That's what it. That's what it's about, and you know, smart move because it's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant fucking movie. Agreed. Adrian Smith, president of domestic distributions for Sony Pictures, said in a statement uh, announcing the re-release, "Audience have shown tremendous support for this film, and we look forward to offering them another opportunity to see the film as it's meant to be seen in theaters on the big screen." I was like, whoa, that's yeah. just a big slap in the face to all streamers. Yeah, it, well, exactly. And and in their – I mean, and you know what they really want, and I'm sure that it was kind of angled at it too, um, on film. Yeah. I mean, remember, Tarantino spent – a lot of good money on putting it on film exactly. and showing it in cineplexes that specialize in showing exactly. film. So I, I wonder how many of these screens are going to be filmed, yeah. you know, exactly. uh, of it. So uh, it's just. And this is the crazy thing. The original assembly cut of Hollywood ran nearly four hours and 20 minutes long. Mm-hmm. I think that might be the one that's uh, on going to be on Netflix, rumored to be on Netflix yeah. anyway, later yeah. down the line. And, you know, the. One that just came out, the film's theatrical release was two hours and 40 minutes. So, so. that's a lot of stuff on the cutting room floor. Yeah. A lot of stuff. My question <laughs> is, will we see uh, Cyclops himself, James Marsden? Remember, yeah. he played Burt Reynolds yeah, exactly. in the film, and Burt Reynolds was cut from no, the film. So will we see that? Exactly. I mean, will we get to see his part? Um, you know, and and – uh, do we have more of Spencer? Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, Spencer guys, Garrett. Spencer Garrett. I just credit the entire success of the film to Spencer Garrett. I agree. I mean, yeah, Brad, you know, yeah. and Leo are great, and Quentin's a genius, yeah. but, I mean, they're no Spencer Garrett. No I'm Spencer just Garrett. saying, the legend himself. I mean, he opens the film, guys. Hell he yeah. opens the film, literally. I'm not kidding. So good. Uh, we love Spencer. He's Hell great. yeah. Great guy. Hell yeah. Well, now it is time for our guest segment this week. Man, this guy has some phenomenal stories about what it's like being an indie artist, an indie creator, and working with your siblings in the entertainment industry. Yeah, I thought that was an extremely interesting uh, just approach and story of how he describes all that. And guys, we talked to him today about uh, mental awareness. You yes. know, we, we go deep into Joker mm-hmm. and it, it, because his film, Cuck, it, 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 it's about a guy who could be – what Joker ends up being and the importance of the awareness for that. This is a can't miss interview, guys. You, you really got to check this one out. Agreed, right? agreed. Zachary Sherman, welcome inside the Crazy Ant Farm, man. Thanks so much. Well, what we like to do at the beginning is introduce you to our listeners. You know about how you got started in the industry, 
uh, we saw that you're from Oregon, Portland. So did yeah. it start out there? Were you taking some theaters, doing some theater stuff out there? Or how'd you get started, man? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I discovered it when I was a kid, um, you know, around age 13 or so. Mm-hmm. I fell into an acting class and fell in love with the idea of what you could do. Um, and from there, I was, about a year or so later, I was cast in a movie of the week, which back then, I mean, I wonder if they still make those, but they were called <laughs> Movie of the Week. Yeah. And it was with Kirsten Dunst, and I played her little brother. Oh, nice. And so I was on that set for, I bet, about three weeks, mm-hmm. uh, just in my hometown in Portland. And I was blown away by what what goes into making a movie, how it's made. Uh, the whole apparatus just fascinated the hell out of me. That and is I, hilarious. I, I you don't even I, sound old enough, man, to have been in a movie of the week. That is right? so funny. <laughs> I love that he I said, yeah, do they even make those anymore? <laughs> I don't think they do, bro, but I remember them, so I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, well, yeah, we're all farts. I mean, they, they were dying when we were kids. Exactly. <laughs> I, I saw the, the glory of a movie set mm-hmm. and kind of knew that's what I wanted to do. And then from there, high school took over, but, but drama was big. And, and I took a film class and I started a film club. And uh, from there, I enrolled in a film school in Southern California, just south of L.A., called Chapman and Orange. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, to be like a film major, a director, I guess. And I... I dropped out of that quickly and went back to Portland and decided that I was going to use acting to get my way into uh, the business and, and to direct eventually. Um, and so since then, I, I, I was up in Portland. I somehow convinced the manager to rep me in L.A., and she would send me auditions, and mm-hmm. I would put them on tape in my living room, mm-hmm. and I was, what was I shooting on? I think I was shooting on... VHS, but it wasn't oh, wow. <laughs> the late 90s, but I remember sending this tape that I believe was a VHS tape to uh, to castings, and it was FedEx. I'm 20, 20 years old, 21 years old, and this is just like such a big process to me. Right. But long story short, they, they cast me off this videotape, and so I flew to New Mexico and was there for four, four weeks, and after that I moved to LA, and it's been a roller coaster of ups and downs ever since. Wow. Oh, that man. is fantastic. Yeah. I love, though, that you went to L.A. and then were like, you know what? No, I'm going to I'm gonna go back to Portland and do this. You don't hear that very often. Right. So that that's awesome that you were able to do that. Yeah, the problem was I realized, you know, there was a little bit of family tragedy going on at the time. But then I quickly, feeling extra sad, I realized I'm going to be 30 grand a year in debt. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And get, get me out of here. So, you know, we, we owed a small amount for the time I was there, but I don't think I thought about the practicality of it and not really having any money. I was like, fuck this, I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, completely understand, completely understand that. And, I mean, not to knock film school or anything, but especially with, like you said, behind the camera and in front of the camera in some instances, I feel like it's very much hands-on. So that's basically what you have to do is, like, get on a set and just start learning from the people who came before you. So it's awesome you were able right. to do that. Yeah, yeah, and even, I mean, in Portland, I kind of glossed over it, but you're absolutely right. When I got back, you know, I worked my day the bills uh, restaurant job the whole time I'm home, and uh, I was working on, on Portland art student films, mm-hmm. all different types of just local, small filmmaker films, and I, you know, I did 
up to 10 of those to just kind of understand the mechanics of being in front of the camera right. and all that stuff. It's, it's exactly what you say. It's just actively pursuing it to whatever degree you can get your hands on stuff or, you know, the important thing. Absolutely. It's invaluable experience that you can't get in school, yeah. I, I think, because, you know, as much as you can learn the technical stuff or, you know, book smart stuff, if you will, you can't learn emotion. You can't learn, you know, the, the yeah. stuff that, that the interaction back and forth and how the crew reacts with the with the, its talent and vice versa. It's just stuff you can't learn in school. I think it's great. Uh, you know, being on set is definitely where it's at. Totally. I agree. So, okay, so how do you transition from that? You said, yeah, you know, you make your move back to L.A., and it's been up and down ever since. Well, we, we've noticed that you've done a lot. Aside from the acting, you've also done some, some behind-the-camera stuff. Um, talk about that a little bit. What's it like to, to go from in front of the camera to behind the camera? And do you have a preference? Do you like to do that, or do you like to be more in front of the camera? Or how do you balance it? I, I love them both, um, and they're very different, as I'm sure you guys are aware. Oh yeah. Um, I'm. Uh, I you know I've only started directing recently, but mm-hmm. it's something that I've yearned to do for many many years. I mean, it feels like a decade. I where I was pursuing acting and I and and put everything into it and I love it completely. But in the back of my head, I'm still watching films. I'm still thinking about the process, and I'm and I just think about directing a lot. Um, I kind of you know I'm I'm self. I, I would say I'm obsessed and a bit of a fanatic when it comes to movies. And uh, on a good week, I'll be in the cinema three or four times, and I'll watch, you know, at least two or three at home. So I'm averaging five movies a week, and some a lot of times more. Uh, and so that sort of history really set me up to say, yeah, I want to direct eventually. Mm-hmm. And I think it took a decade for my confidence to grow to the point where I uh, saw a micro-budget film lab online, mm-hmm. and I... I signed up last minute right before it closed. I went through that process of being guided to write the your own micro budget, and then I, I had that done in two months. And then uh, I decided I was just going to make it. You know, I was ready to shoot it on a phone because I just wanted to explore with actors and figure out what my voice would be like as a director and figure out the camera. And then some of my buddies read it, and one of like the most talented DP I know, the, a friend of mine, he read it. And he's like, I have to shoot this. And so he just connected to the material. He he showed up with with an Alexa, and we made a, a pretty badass first film. Um, so it just kind of it came out of like wanting to do it forever, and then mm-hmm. being sick of not doing it. Right. Um, and and then from there, it was kind of crazy. Like it's been a really busy two years for me. Mm-hmm. Eleven months after we shot that film, which is called Barbie's Kenny, which is just wrapping up uh, the festival circuit. I'm I'm going to Nashville in a week to take it there, which I'm stoked about. That's oh, nice. Fifty years old. It sounds great. Yeah. Um, but this eleven months later, my sister and I shot another, a second film, which is a you call it a micro budget. I mean, I shot Barbie for for ten grand in, in ten days. Oh, and, wow. I, and we shot Thunderbolt. We started very, very low, um, just about three times that number. And it's ballooned up. But we ended up winning a contest, and the Duplass brothers came on board. And so now we're kind of in a, a new arena to try to figure out how to present the film to the world. But it's a new hat that I'm figuring out how to wear. But I, you can't direct as frequently as you can act, so I know I won't do it all the time. Mm-hmm. But I'd love to do it. Uh, in a bigger way and more seriously as, as life goes on. 
Wow, that's just fantastic, man. And talk about a little bit more of the process of coming in contact with the Duplass brothers. How did that go? Are you guys aware of Seed and Spark, the filmmaker uh, crowdfund site? Absolutely. Yeah, so Seed and Spark, they do it, I think they're on their third year now, and they do Hometown Heroes. Mm -hmm. And Emily, uh, who runs Seed and Spark, is just fantastic, and it's a really great company. So if anybody listening is ever looking to crowdfund their film, Seed and Spark's the place to go. You get, there's just the benefits beat out Indiegogo and Kickstarter to the max. Um, so they had Hometown Heroes Up, which is a nationwide contest. Long story short, out of, I don't know if there was uh, 60 or 70 films, uh, you got it got whittled down to seven or eight, and then uh, Seed and Spark and Duplosses selected a winner, and they blew our mind. We didn't think we had a chance for a lot of reasons. And uh, we actually just wrapped the film, but uh, we were in this contest because we'd raised 12 grand for the movie, and uh, and they selected us. So they came on as EPs through through a 45 grand at the at the production, which mm -hmm. we oh, put wow. straight in the post. Yeah, and then uh, now we have them as teams uh, as on our team, and you know we've been working directly with uh, Mark, uh, his assistants. Um, and they're just the best. Their name's Will and Maddie, and, and they they work at Duplass headquarters. And man, you, it's I, I think a lot of us in our situation look up to those guys so much because they they kind of came from nothing and figured out a way to go big, and they're still doing it, and they're growing, you know, crazily. So it's it's I'm lucky as all hell to be in their company, um, and I'm just excited to see what the future holds. But it was. It was luck and, and perseverance, I'd say. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, yeah, we had another guest on our show, Aaron Ray, who's, who's worked with them in the past and sings their praises as well. And I think you're right. Your description of what they're able to do and have done is spot on. And it's good. To, so I want to talk about, because I'm, I'm, I'm a twin, so I, I'm really curious as to what's it like to work on a film with your sister? How, how was that? Like, like it, is there a power struggle, or do you guys get along really well, or was there some creative butting heads or talk about that process a little yeah, bit sure um you know on the set and all that stuff worked pretty damn smooth um we we're, we you know i the coen brothers are some of the best filmmakers in the world but it seems like they're a pretty united front even though right they may tell people different things but it seems like they think about it the same mm -hmm. and i think that's true of sarah and i we have very similar taste uh so you're kind of looking at it from similar eyes, which is great. Mm -hmm. um, you know, here and there, yeah, we're 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 almost just a year apart. We're really close in age, and uh, we're we're very close as brother and sister. But we can also, I mean, I had a fight with her yesterday until <laughs> <laughs> we made up. So it's like it's that's always part of the relationship. But um, I think we also counter each other. We counterbalance each other with our weaknesses and strengths, which is really great. Um, she's a fantastic writer, and she—I think she's going to direct something on her own soon. And I'll probably just be an actor, and maybe some sort of producer on. But um, yeah, it's really exciting to to have that partnership, man. I, I I'm I'm grateful and lucky. I bet. And you, what you said, you know, when you say you balance each other with strength and weaknesses, I, I think that's so crucial to any filmmaker and any team. Yeah. You know, you've got to find the right people to surround yourself with who do that, who where your weakness may be, their strength is, and you balance it out. I think that's how the most successful projects happen. Totally. 
definitely, definitely. Yeah. And the next thing I want to talk about is this um, Netflix series that I think was personally the nowadays Breakfast Club, or at least that it was kind of yeah. depicted as. Everything sucks. What was it like on that set, man? Uh, it sounds like you liked it, and I'm glad to hear that. I did. Uh, we, yeah, we. If, if listeners haven't seen it, go check out Everything Sucks. It's up on Netflix. And man, Ben Ben Jones is my buddy, and he's one of the co-creators. And Mike Mohan. These guys are just. These guys are smart, brilliant guys, and and amazing storytellers. And it's a it's a goddamn shame that that we didn't get renewed. Agreed. Um, but. Uh, it was it was lovely. I mean, I was you know Leroy is my character, and I play the main boy Luke O'Neill's dad. Mm-hmm. But but Leroy, uh, as the father, he he left town. He left. It all takes place in Boring, Oregon, in the 1990s, and it follows this group of freshmen in a kind of freaks and geeks way, as it's that coming of age freshman year and right. how you figure yourself out and all that stuff. And my son is the main boy, but mm-hmm. I my character abandoned the boy and his wife abandoning the family, you know, 10 years prior when the boy was only seven. Right. So what the boy does throughout the series is look at these old VHS tapes of dad smoking cigarettes in the garage and talking to himself, like right. the original selfie. And you get to understand who his dad is and was. And over the arc of the season, he gets closer and closer to him until the end. There's a big kind of reveal that, you know, really pisses me off when the show doesn't get renewed. Right. I'm right, I'm right outside. But uh, <laughs> it's it's a beautiful show. I mean, it's 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 it, it, they did such a good job, and these kids are great. Oh, you know, something interesting to note: uh, Tyler, who's um, little guy who has curly hair, one of the friends. Um, that's his character's name, Tyler. Right. Played by Quinn Liebling. Mm-hmm. Quinn and we we had Quinn be our lead in the film that my sister and I made together. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so he's, I mean, that guy is an all-star. It's, I think he's taken his time. He's only 15, 16 years old. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you see an actor that's talented, it's, it's my favorite thing to watch. And Quinn certainly is a special talent. Yeah, Everything Sucks is a great ride, man. It's 10 episodes of 90s glory. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I mean, everybody loves, like, the teenage angst, like, movies or series. So hopefully it gets picked back up somewhere because it would just... I think it would do well on, like, a Hulu. I mean, there's so many other streaming platforms that are about to come out. So hopefully it gets picked sure. up somewhere. That would be rad, yeah. It's been. It feels like it's been a couple years. Maybe it's been a year and a half. Yeah. Um. But uh. But that would be. I have had that thought. I was like, what if that ever came back years later, and the kids are all, you know, three or four years later. Oh, that would be epic. Yeah, that would totally be. And I feel like Netflix. It's. It would be a good thing for Netflix. I feel like they've lost focus, man. I mean, they built their whole thing on original content. Right. Now it's all about these giant paydays for the licensing rights to other content. It's like go back to where you what got you where you were at, man. There's so much great yeah. shit out there that's original that should be airing, you know? Exactly, and especially from like unknown creators. I felt like they've kind of gotten away from that as well. They are kind of in the beginning giving the kind of like the indie feel to everything but they kind of gotten away from that to like big names and big movies so it kind of sucks but like we said hopefully it gets picked back up because i loved it honestly yeah maybe we'll have to send this podcast to netflix headquarters hell yeah man <laughs> that's, hell right. Yeah. that's right send it right to ted say come on man <laughs> right right 
right. Oh, my goodness. Well, let's talk about the big one. You already know the one you came on to promote. Talk about it, man. Yeah. Um, well, it's funny. I was just thinking, like, with you guys, with talking about Everything Sucks, um, we premiered that, I guess, a year, about a year ago or a year and a half ago, and we we all went to the Netflix headquarters, mm-hmm. me and all the other actors and Ben and Mike and the crew, and, and we binged the whole, all ten episodes in the four hours and watched it at their theater there. Oh, nice. Um, and I, I, for this movie, Cuck, uh, I gained 45 pounds. Oh, wow. wow. Pretty, yeah, I'm a pretty slender guy mm-hmm. on, on the regular, and I'm just remembering back to when I saw these guys for the Everything Sucks binge party, I was nearly at my max weight. And so they all just couldn't believe that uh, it was me. Because I look so different. Uh, but yeah, Cuck is about, it's about this lonely, isolated guy who lives in Van Nuys, which is a suburb outside of L.A. Yep, yep. And he's kind of a representative of, of you know, there, I, I, his name is Ronnie, and I think there could be many Ronnies all across America. And we've seen so much in the news these days where there are these mass shootings, and they are always a young white male, and and it's, a lot of times there's a really long uh, online history that goes back to this person, right. where they put up these manifestos, or they've been staying, you know, on these on these dark little echo chambers of four chan or whatever uh, medium they're on, mm-hmm. but they're living online and they're 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 not really connected to the outside world, right. and they're revolting for whatever reason. So that's kind of like the overall like look at what what Ronnie might be, but but I think what we did really well is that it's really just a character study about this lonely, isolated guy who doesn't hasn't quite figured out how to overcome the obstacles he's had in his life, and and we just kind of live with him mm-hmm. as he gets further and further into this misadventure of being uh, empowered by these online hate groups and it, it frankly turns them in a, in a you know a pretty ugly direction but it was my job and I hope it's successful that you're still compelled to watch this you know on the page it was pretty frightening and ugly but I think Rob made a pretty damn good compelling movie so yeah. I'm super excited for it to come out um, and to see how it lands on people but oh, nice. it packs a punch and and it's exactly what I want to do acting-wise. So I, I feel, you know, talking from the beginnings to now, I've been in L.A. for 14 years, and, mm-hmm. and it's just, I, I always knew perseverance is the key, and, and I, I would famously hang on to Mark Ruffalo, a quote saying, like, he struggled with auditions for 10 years before he got you to count on me. Yeah. And once I passed year 10, I mean, I've done TV shows and different things, but I'm just like, you know, it, it really is just an ongoing uh, endurance race. Absolutely. And, uh, I'm, I'm happy to be at this place with Cuck where I get to talk about my work for the, for a first time and really share it in a bigger way. Um, yeah. But yeah, guys, so I appreciate the platform to be speaking about it with you guys. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm... I'm exactly like you, so it's great. Well, fantastic, and I'm glad. I mean, I love the story. I, I think that it's relevant to today, 
and 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 it's something you know i think what makes really successful projects is when people can connect to them and yeah. i think what you said about there's probably that character somewhere everywhere in america and i think that's important because this is an issue that that needs to be talked about and it needs to be out there for people to see and and i'm glad that that filmmakers like yourself and actors like yourself uh, are, are doing these stories and telling these stories and i hope a lot of people see it i hope it's a huge success for y'all because I think it's important that these type stories, you know, we all have fun at Avengers Endgame, right. and we all have fun at the big superhero movies, but these stories, these stories are important, and they, they I, I feel like they need to be seen as much as those tent poles do. I, I appreciate that, and I agree, yeah, I, that's, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like it goes back to, like, the roots of filmmaking and storytelling. It's all about just starting a conversation and walking out of a theater or walking out of a living room after watching it on the TV. Like, why did he do this? Why did he do that? Why was he thinking this way? It's all about sparking the conversation, and especially when you have such a great cast attached to this thing. You have Sally Kirkland and Timothy V. Murphy. Like, I just, you're going to rock it and kill it, man. I'm so excited to see it. Awesome, guys. Yeah, that, I mean, that's all you can ask for and, and hope is that uh, that a conversation can take place afterward because I, Rob did a, I think when you see the film, you'll, you'll know what I mean and that it's not some preachy, uh, left, you know, from the political far left judgment on the, it's, it's not this skewed deciding or, or calling names of different people. It's really just watching this character and living with him. You know, we've been compared to, to, to Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver and mm -hmm. this kind of just like renegade, isolated figure. And mm -hmm. that film wasn't some slant on, you know, some slam on, on some radical things in. It was just an right. underground character. Right. I think Ronnie is exactly that. And, you know, I, some of the guys online have been offended by it, but they're, I think they're speaking a little too soon. And I think they will change their tune when they see the film. So um, it's crazy, though. I mean, the, 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 the population that's online that can get fired up, like our IMDb, uh, you go to that page, you know, there's a, there's a 1 to 10 rating on IMDb. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, if, if, you're, if you're the Big Lebowski, you probably have an 8 or a 9. But our film hasn't even released, and it's at like 2.1. It just keeps going down because they must be on some forums saying, go here, go here, and they're all just downvoting it. But, you know, you can, you can only do so much. But I guess saying that they're doing that is part of the counter balance. But it's just, it's just crazy. Yeah, that is uh, truly ridiculous, man. Especially, like you said, if they haven't even seen the thing yet, so they can't even give a full critique, that's just absolutely crazy. Because, right. I mean, like right. you said, it, everybody has problems and everybody has issues, so maybe this movie sparks like interest in that to if somebody sees another person down or kind of off to themselves, like a loner, like your right. main character is that they can start up the conversation with that person and maybe bring them back to light and have faith in humanity in general, like so that they won't be all alone and they can express their feelings. Because I feel like that's a main thing in society right now. I mean, I still feel like mental health is still very undervalued. Not a lot of people talk about yeah. it, at least not in like uh, political forms like that so yeah hopefully this film really does spark that conversation so people can have that so we can just start talking to everybody even if they're a stranger on the right. street yeah i think i think you're 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 hitting a uh, 
a vein there because I saw it at a cast and crew screening and I was with a friend and she she said afterwards she just kind of cried and and felt so much for sympathy for mm-hmm. this guy who in a lot of other movies or in a lot of different perceptions could just be seen as a monster mm-hmm. and you know we see we see these terrible acts every effing week but when it comes to and there's no excusing what these guys have done when they go to the streets with guns right right and, and kill people but people are people and people have there's many options to to, to turn off that path before you go there mm-hmm. and i think that's exactly right like if so my friend was hit by it emotionally and felt so sad for ronnie it's like you said it's, it's we can we there's conversations to open ourselves up our society is so fucking locked up because agreed of, because of the separation of differences and mm-hmm. that's the thing with these guys online i don't even want to single them out in too much of a negative way because they're just reacting because they see it from their side and they're fearful for whatever reason but it's like we all just need to address that and say that and then say okay well that air's cleared what, what what's next right yep. one of my, i'm really i'm really on the soapbox here but one of my favorite uh filmmakers john cassavetes he used that I heard him on some interviews say something really, I think, beautiful. It's exactly this. And it's like people are scared to laugh at each other mm-hmm. because it takes time and it takes, well, it takes your time to get to, like, know each other to right. the point where you can laugh at each other. And so instead of me laughing at this guy that's insulting me or, or getting to open up to him, it's like I'm going to judge him. You right. know? And we need to kind of just soften up a little bit. But Agreed. with this administration and and a lot of different stuff it's just awfully fiery time so you know we all got a lot ahead of us it is it is and you know though this conversation right here I mean, this is why why it's important, and and I'm glad you were on the soapbox for a little bit. We don't mind that on this podcast. Not we like we we like that. We like to get, get stir up some stuff and everything. But I agree with you. Imagine how many of these horrible things we could have stopped if people would just have a conversation like we're having right now. And right. you know, we've heard so many people say that, and I, and I, this always rings to me, and it, because it's so true, we have far more in common with each other than we have a part if we would just sit down and talk to each other and and that's why this project is important i promise you we're going to promote the hell out of it because we definitely want people to see it not only for the success for y'all but to start the conversation and to have people talking that's awesome yeah yeah i'm right there with you hell yeah i mean i gotta say all that Agreed, agreed. And I mean, something else, another film that has taken some massive heat right now because of past actions, Joker with Joaquin Phoenix. There's, I just think it's kind of ridiculous that we're at that point, honestly. Right, I mean, exactly. I I think, you know, this isn't talked about in the film at all. It's just, I think the movie stops and then it's exactly like we're saying, a conversation hopefully begins. But me personally, uh, I, you know, I believe this country really needs to wake up and take some steps towards some sensible, you know, gun control and laws. And I think there's a really reasonable thing called a red flag law or something where, where it's, it's just harder to get this in your hand right. if you're unstable. And everybody who goes out and does this is unstable and would be flagged. So what the hell is the fucking resistance? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well said, man. Well said. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So, the, oh. so it's just, that's, that's my own personal politics. 
politics, but I won't shut up about it, and and I'm not scared of whatever. It's it's a shame that the NRA is so you know so wealthy that they can buy their status and and continue to to, to murder people. Frankly, so I, I hope that our that we're able to walk in a direction away from this as time goes on we can only we can only cross our fingers and do what we can on the ground to change it but we'll see i'm i I am hopeful but you know we've got a lot to do as as a fucking species (laughs) agreed agreed man but like like i said people like yourself and the people that you've uh, obviously affiliated yourself with and stuff you know it's a start man get doing projects like this and getting people to talk and starting the conversation that's that's where we have to start it man and and kudos to y'all for doing that cool yeah yeah for sure Oh, man. Thank you so much for coming on Inside the Crazy Ant Farm today and just having, honestly, one of the realest conversations that we've had on the podcast in a while, just about today's atmosphere and today's environment. And this film is just so relevant to what's going on right now, especially with all the mass shootings, like you said. So just thank you so much for taking some time out of your day. And uh, what we like to do at the end of each interview is ask our guests, what pitfalls would you say to try to avoid for the up-and-comers try to get into the industry? And what advice would you give to those young people trying to break into it as well? Sure. Um, pitfalls, I mean, you know, it's, it's nothing new, but it's, it's awfully hard on yourself when you do compare yourself to the people around you, mm-hmm. the people before you, and you you put yourself in a place of in the negative where I haven't achieved this or I have try to stay away from that. I think it's human to do it, but the more that you can work yourself to- yourself towards positivity and, and keeping yourself going forward, um, I think you're going to be better off. It's just, I mean, it comes down to believing in yourself and what you want to do. You know? Absolutely. It's basic, but it's, but it's a hard thing to, to stick to for a lot of people, and it's understandable. Um, and, and to kind of couple with that, the advice I give is, if you really, if you really feel it and and know you need to do it, like you, that will be your fuel. But also know that you that that perseverance is the thing that it's going to take. Like I said, I'm, I've been down here 14 years, and and I still don't know that I'm successful. Um, so it's like just just keep at it, keep at it. And find the things that light you up and follow follow the things that make you happy and and keep active, you know. A buddy and I put up a two man play two summers ago and that was a real turning point for me and just activity. It's like instead of waiting for people to call, figure out a way to do Exactly. You know, Mark Mark Duplass is famous for for his keynote speech at Southside where it's just like go, 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 the Calvary's not coming. Mm-hmm. Make it with your friends. And I think that's really valuable to, to put the resources in front of you and and do it rather than wait so i'd I'd say that oh wow that great advice man great advice because like you said it's all about i mean we hear from time in and time out that like it's basically 90 percent auditioning 10 percent acting so if you want to go out and get it start creating your own content because like you said it's so easy nowadays yeah yep yep Or, or go get in a play if it's easier to get on play the theater is a beautiful place to uh, exercise and, and, and get stronger and, and, and the same for filmmaking. It, all you have to do is sit down with a pencil and a, and a paper and start writing. So, you know, it's, it's easy to say you can't do it, but I told myself that for 10 years. But we can do a lot more than we think we can, so it just takes a little bit of action. 
I love Hell that. Yeah. I love that. You can do more than you think you can. It just takes action. That's fantastic, yeah. man. Yeah, seriously, seriously. Cool. Well, good luck with everything Thanks, in guys. your future endeavors. We're pulling for you. Like we said, we're going to promote the hell out of your film coming out. And where can people right. follow you on social media? Because you know it's all about social media now. Sure. Uh, if uh, Yeah, for the film, if they go to www. We're back in the 90s. Uh, <laughs> Cuck the cuckthefilm.com c-u-c-k thefilm.com that's where you can get all, see if it's in a theater nearby you or order it on iTunes to your TV or computer uh, as for me and then you can look for Cuck the Film if you want to follow any of those handles myself is uh, God I don't know what I am on Twitter but I'm on Twitter I think it's like Zach R. Sherman but my name is Zachary Ray Sherman mm-hmm. you can find me and then on Instagram I think I'm Zachary Ray Sherman alright uh, fantastic and I appreciate everybody listening, and I hope that they'll check out Cuck and, uh, and tell people about it as well, because I think it's worth seeing, like, we've yammered about for a long time. Today. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. And listen, man, open invite. Anytime you want to come back on to promote a project or shit, just to shoot the shit with us. And, I mean, I love the conversation, so anytime you want to come back on, you're more than welcome, bud. Okay, that sounds great. Yeah, holler at me, guys. Find me online, and we'll stay in touch. You guys... You guys keep at it too. You sound great, and I appreciate you. Oh, oh thank man. you, man. Thanks, man. You have All a right. good day now. Okay, you too. Bye bye. Bye bye. See you, man. Wow, just so real. I mean, so relevant. His film Cuck is so relevant to what is happening nowadays, especially with the mass shootings, like yeah. we were talking about. So. Absolutely, I love, I love, the, you know, that he called it a character study mm-hmm. because, I mean, think about it. if you could be a fly on the wall and just be in a room yeah. and see what motivates this person that eventually gets them to a point that they do these horrific things. Yeah, maybe we could stop. Exactly. It. So I, I think, yeah, I hope everybody sees this film. I, I, you know, I think it's an important message, and I'm glad people are doing it and saying it and getting it out there. And what a nice guy, man. Seriously. And I mean, just, yeah, I, perseverance. Persever- he said that over and over, and I think that's, like, sound advice, man. Exactly. You got to hang in there. You got to chase a dream. You got to believe in yourself. Know it can happen. And this guy's an example of that. Agreed. So. Agreed. The up-and-comers are going to love this one. Seriously. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Thank you again, Zachary Ray Sherman, for coming on the show. All right, now it is time for our top five segment. Ooh, boy. This one was so hard because... You snuck this one in on me, I too. Did. Like I, I did. You know, <laughs> you know us. We're always busy. We're always doing things. We're always kind of just like... A, and, and so he just like picked one and snuck it in. Yeah, And just a bam. And yeah, this is hard as fuck. A difficult I mean, this, this was difficult. hard, man. Ranging from film, television, just basically anything in the entertainment industry. Our top five this week is producers you would want to work with on your project mm. Oof, a lot of genius people out there giving some insightful advice to up-and-coming creators one that i think i would love to have on my set helping me out behind the camera in front of the camera any way he can seth rogan yeah dude, dude is yeah. freaking hilarious he is. you know that he would have some great input especially if it was a comedy because like i said creative genius yep yep Ooh, this next one of course because i mean this guy is also brilliant and he's fixing everything up uh jj abrams this guy he's one bad robot he is one bad <laughs> robot oh man yeah, dude he's brilliant that's a good choice agreed man. agreed uh this next one oh we had him inside the Crazy Ant Farm for an interview. He gave some great advice for up-and-coming writers. Just phenomenal talent. Genius writer. 
Danny Strong. Yeah, Danny Strong. Now, you know how much we like this guy. He's on both our lists. Exactly. I mean, but but it makes sense because if you if you want a producer mm-hmm. who's who's basically the guy, the head guy, right? Exactly. I mean, you, this guy's a writer, a director, mm-hmm. an actor, and a producer himself. Exactly. I mean, it, it, that's the guy you want guiding your project. Exactly. And he's brilliant at all of them. So exactly. there's a reason he's on both of our lists. Exactly. I'm just saying. Another one who's just a writer, director, actor, and just another incredible talent mm. who is on the marvel side of things um, yes kevin yes, smith this guy is just would be a phenomenal to have on set just to give some input because i feel like he's just so real like i feel like he is just a real humble person that loves the art of storytelling right but also understands where it is going yes exactly he's a fan of the technology and the evolution and yeah. this is a dangerous guy though if yeah. we ever got him on the show or if we ever have the the blessed opportunity to work with this man i feel like i could sit down and not move for like a decade just know, talking, just to, talking him. to him because so much. I could spend five years steady nonstop talking about just comic books. Exactly. The guy's a massive comic I book know, geek yeah. and fan. You know, both DC, Marvel, he's written, he's directed, he's produced all these comic book type things and all this kind. Of, and when that five years was over, then we just start five years on film. Exactly. I mean, this guy's dangerous. Exactly. It's like, you might not see him if I get him. I'm I just know. saying, it's like, get your stuff in first because uh, I'm going to yeah. steal him for 10 years. Hell it's going to be yeah. great. It's fine. <laughs> and this next woman, oh, I feel like she would tell you how it is. This mm. is how it should be done. And I would listen to everything she says. I'm just saying. You crack me up with this one. Oh, oh man. Shonda Rhimes. Yes. Like, yes. Brilliant. Basically, I felt like changed the television game, honestly. Oh, yeah. I mean, Colt, everybody loves Grey's Anatomy. Everybody's loving all the other stuff she's doing. So she is definitely somebody who... I would take some constructive criticism I'd, from, but I, I think I would go cry. Afterwards. I would pay to see a conversation between you and her because yeah. you guys, you don't, you just don't understand. <laughs> you don't have the luxury that I have of seeing him every day, and it, he has, it's the epitome of a love hate relationship with Shonda. It is because <laughs> she she gets him in tears every it's day, so damn sir, for what she's doing. It's, it's so, so funny to it's watch. So crazy. I it's, would pay to see that it's conversation. Really a f- a phrase that my girlfriend and I use. Damn it, Shonda. Yeah, no, I hear it every day, multiple times. It's so funny. Oh, yeah. So funny. That dude, great list, Thank man. You. Great list. All right, I'm going to jump on mine. And I just think this guy uh, is like beyond inspirational. Okay, he's living in his car for uh-huh. Christ's sake. Now he's got the biggest film studio or sound stages, you know, in the country. Tyler Perry. Yes. Guys, I mean, talk about a phenomenal creator, Mm -hmm. okay? He took, while living in his station wagon in a car, the idea for Medea. Yeah. Turned it into a fucking empire. Basically. Uh, Literally. I mean, this guy, there are streets named after him Mm -hmm. in Atlanta, okay? That's the guy you want on your project. I think he's he's pretty good. Danny Strong. Yep. We've already talked about him. You know why I want him. Uh, Brian Grazier. Oh, my gosh. Guys, if you don't know who he is, he's one of the most prolific producers in Hollywood. He's a partner for Ron Howard with Imagine Entertainment. This guy has produced so much shit that you probably aren't even aware. You know he's behind 8 Mile? Right. He's behind the Wu-Tang Clan. Exactly. Uh, series on right now on you're Hulu, thinking yeah. what yes brian grazier <laughs> he's behind that you know um just a brilliant guy read his book uh face to face the art of human communication mm-hmm. highly recommend just just a brilliant guy john favreau i've heard course. me talk about him in the past just one of my idols uh i strive to be half the director this guy is yeah. i mean he's just a brilliant story 
storyteller. He is. Guys, he did he Iron is. Man, but but it, he he's did a Chef. Storyteller too. Yeah. Okay, he's a storyteller, guys. Fuck you, Scorsese. All right. And then, so how could I leave this guy off? I know. The because he's, he's the all-time mega producer. Probably the most successful producer of all time. Scorsese. Uh, um, Coppola. Um, Kevin Feige. That's right. Yes. Who runs Marvel now, by the exactly. way? Exactly. <laughs> that guy. That's right. Um, no, all kidding aside, though, guys, he's a producer, and he built a 10-year universe. Exactly. Like, like 23 films – 23 billion dollars mm-hmm. every single film number one exactly nobody's ever done that run before guys 23 no. times this guy has opened at number one and he's done 23 films yeah okay i mean it's and he's got crazy. every box office record in existence so that's a producer yeah okay. <laughs> like kevin feige and one that oh i can't believe we both forgot we literally both forgot greg berlanti Oh my gosh, Greg Berlanti. He is the Kevin Feige on the television side, he is. in my opinion. He is. The, the empire that this guy has built on television, uh, starting with the the dc arrowverse yep. and kind of stuff. and that he's like got shows on every network exactly. every streaming service every kind of yeah brilliant guy and now be careful he's he's going in the film mm-hmm. love simon was a huge hit he he, he's he's working his way in it you're right how did we both forget know. <laughs> greg berlanti you know move your head greg <laughs> i mean it's brilliant just said you know what i'm talking about if you're a fan you know what i'm talking about hell yeah oh yeah good good call man nice right? nice catch there yeah. greg we want to work with you too hell yeah man hell yeah well, now let's head over to some box office recapping. Oh, goodness. We saw some of these films last week, and they're pretty freaking hilarious, but some are lukewarm, like mm. we said in the other show. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Um, number one was Maleficent Mistress of Evil, that Angelina Jolie flick, with $36.9 million. I predicted 35 to 40 Number two was The Addams Family with $29.2 million. I predicted 25 to 30 Number three, Zombieland 2, Double Tap. It got $26.8 million. I predicted 25 to $30 million. And number four was uh, – I must have rearranged these a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and then number five was Gemini Man, $8.3 million. I predicted 5 to 10 so, oh, there you go. There you go, man. Good week. Good week. Number two is the Joker. Well, I, I don't know. I didn't. That's what it was. Number two was the Joker with uh, twenty nine point two million, and number four was the Adams Family with sixteen point three. I mean, you know, maybe you just left it off the list because it's not real cinema, bro. I'm just, I just, <laughs> that's what it was. Just, that's, yeah, why that's, a, that's, that's, right. that's why he left. That's right. That's why he left it. He's like, wait a minute. This this psychotic killer, yeah. depressed, dark, deranged, story driven movie is a comic book right. movie. Fuck it. Exactly. It's not cinema. Exactly. It's not like it's just the <laughs> villain story of Taxi Driver. Like whatever. Like it's like the same movie. It's the same movie he he even references that that was his inspiration exactly. for the film but whatever it's you know fine. Hey. It's fine. fine uh new movies that are coming out this week to the box office you got countdown you got black and blue who we are actually going to have someone on our podcast to interview from black and blue yes it's gonna be really good him. Uh, and Ooh, then, that was a nice tease. Man. Who's it going to be? Wait and find out. Exactly, exactly. And we have the current war. 
the director's cut. Mm. So mm. let's see. Let's see what happens. Hey, I'm just going to put it out there because I saw it. Yeah. Uh, if you need an escape, if you want to forget your troubles, come on, get happy. Oh, my goodness. Put on a smiling face. Go see Judy. Yeah. All kidding aside, holy shit. Renee is a – she is thankfully not like in the position with Joaquin where he's got to deal with all these other brilliant right, kind yeah. of performances. She is a shoo-in. I will be shocked off my ass if she doesn't win the Oscar for best uh, yeah. you know, uh, female performance. Uh, just brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. The look, the the voice. She does all her own singing, guys. Mm. It's fucking brilliant. And I, they do these great flashbacks with the Louis B. Mayer stuff yeah. and when she was a young coming up in the studio system and how she gets to where she was. And yeah. like, just brilliant film. I, I mean, if you can find it. This is exactly. one of the victims of one, of, you know, yeah. the tentpole films. It's exactly. it's not on a whole lot of screens, but if you can find it, go see it. it it's well worth it. Hell yeah, hell yeah. And I mean, I don't know, man. I, I think Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, will still be number one this week. Uh, around fifteen to twenty million. Yeah. I think number two will still be Joker, but I think Zombieland might pull forward. I don't know, but I'm going with Joker just because it's like overall like what was it the biggest block box office seller overseas or something yeah, like that yeah so congratulations it's actually passed a shit ton of other dc movies it's now like one not only just one of dc's but one of warner brothers most successful films ever exactly i, I saw i saw this and i was shocked but it does, it makes sense because the budget was so low on joker yeah. Yes, I said that. The jo- the budget was so low on exactly. Joe. It's going to be more profitable than Avengers Endgame. Damn, yeah. It's it's going to be it's going to make more than half a billion dollars in profit. Yeah. But that's because it, while it's not making anywhere near the money Endgame did, right. it didn't cost anywhere near the money exactly. to make. So that that's incredible for Warner I Brothers. Agree, I mean, man. I agree. So yeah, those two are going to have to battle it out, but I think it's going to be Joker with ten, uh, fifteen to twenty million. I think you're right there because you know what else it is? It's Hall- Halloween. Mm-hmm. It's it's the Halloween weekend. Yeah, so it's you know, up. yeah. And then number three, I think it's going to be Zombieland two double tap with around ten to fifteen million. Number four will be the Adams Family with around ten to fifteen million, and then number five I think will be Countdown with five to ten million. Mm. So we yeah, shall I th- see. I think you're. I think you're pretty pretty spot on there i'm pretty happy that i got all of them right last week so you did it's 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 been tough i mean and it's only getting tougher exactly (laughs) can't wait can't wait to see you do it on thanksgiving it's gonna be really tough it's gonna be so rough good luck with that one yeah thanks thanks. (laughs) now going over to imdb pro top trenders man we love this freaking app we do you can and box office mojo Mojo if you want to get imdb pro you can check the latest and greatest box office numbers you track your latest stars you can track the news specific to the stars so where if your favorite actor does some stupid shit you can see it exactly exactly you can you can track everything exactly it's great it's great well nothing changed from last week guys the top trending movie is still joker top trending show is still peaky blinders peaky blinders and the top trending star is joaquin phoenix yes yes cillian murphy by the way is just brilliant yeah. on Peaky Blinders. It's such a good show. Yeah. A lot of people don't know it. Tom Hardy was on it. Yeah. Like, yeah they, I mean, it's a phenomenal cast. You do, I can see why it's trending the way it is. Yeah. So, well, watch th- it. This is so random and I mean, this is... Like, <laughs> That's right. I throw random I shit in all the time and interrupt <laughs> you. Just go so ahead. random, but I want to... I've never seen Lost Boys, like the vampire fake flick with uh, Keith or Sutherland and stuff. I saw a meme about it the other day and I was like, I really want to see that. You've never seen Lost Boys? I've never seen Lost Boys. You see, you can't see me right now, but I had to remove my glasses. (laughs) Yeah. 
Really? Yeah. Like the original? Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. No. The sequel. So the first one's where it's at. The first one is where it's at. Okay. To be fair, I think the second one could have been yeah. really good. Yeah. But it went through a bunch of production nightmares, mm-hmm. and it just I think it ended up showing in yeah. the film, you know. Yeah. But um, we're both. That's the one with both the Corys, right? That's where they started the friendship. The something? original. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, and only one Cory obviously was in. Came the, back for the yeah, second yeah, one. Well, and it was supposed to be both, and oh, then it wasn't. Shitty. And that was part of the problem. Shitty. Uh, yeah, it got really shitty, and uh, nobody from other than the one Cory. Feldman uh from the original kind of even made an appearance oh, I was really fuck. hoping that we would see wow you know something you know a pop-up from somebody but yeah. it didn't happen yeah it didn't happen mm. so but I, you, dude you would yeah man watch the first one yeah Papa Gilmore oh really he's yeah yeah bro yeah he's in there yeah yeah <laughs> see look at that now even more of a reason to watch Richard Gilmore's in it Let's shit <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, let's transition into the music side of things. Some things changed back to some uh, chart topping situations because. Uh, Liz- so, something done what now? Something. <laughs> chart topping situations. Okay, all right. Um, Lizzo is back, and I'm just going to announce this one at the first get go because I'm happy for her because she broke the record for uh, longest running single on the Hot 100, and now she's back on there. So, Truth Hurts, Lizzo, at the Hot 100. Killing it, man. Fantastic. Killing it. Um, Top vinyl album sales goes to Two Hands, Big Thief. That uh, Big Chief. That's just what I hear. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Top album sales is still the first mini album by Super M. The top streaming streaming song. (laughs) (laughs) Did you steal my wine, bro? Are you sure? I promise. I promise. Is uh, highest in the room by Travis Scott. Oh, Uh, oh, okay. There it is. There it is. Um, Top digital song sales. (laughs) What? It's legal here. It's legal here. Exactly. Memories by Maroon Five. Radio song is also Truth Hurts. Artist of the Week is Post Malone. And Billboard Top 200 Albums is Al Youngboy 2, the album by NBA Youngboy. So congratulations. They're killing it right now. Yeah, man. I just want to give a shout-out to Gwen Stefani. Gwen Stefani. And The Voice. This is totally random. But (laughs) we're watching this season of The Voice, and she's back for this season. And just like... I really like Gwen Stefani. Yeah, I was a huge fan of No Doubt. Yeah, and just I just I think feel like she's, she's awesome. a genuine person. Yeah, and she's just really amazingly talented. Yeah. like I, but then like you said, just genuinely just a nice person. And I'm seeing her back on there, and then you know hearing it's kind of, it just made me want to like re-listen to all of her stuff or whatever. And then I realized how long she's been in the business. Yeah, like a while. dude, I was listening to her when I was like y'all's age. Yeah. no shit. Exactly. Like way back in in the early nineties. She looks amazing, and like so, it's so funny because you you see you and Emily and like all these young guys, and they're all on you know Gwen Stefani and Mm -hmm. I, and I'm like, damn, she was doing it like twenty, almost thirty years ago, and I was like, fuck. But yeah, she looks amazing. Well, let's not forget the importance she is for the millennials and Generation Z. She's the reason we know how to spell bananas. It's true. <laughs> she, she's the reason I know how to spell bananas. Fuck your generation. I, she's a, she's everybody's oh, reason yeah. that knows how to spell bananas. And did you ever go in and say like yeah, ever? And you know you did because yeah. I did when somebody said, "Oh, what are you going to the store for?" B a n a n a s. You had to you had to sing it. You you couldn't just say it. So oh man, she's she's a hell of an actress too. If you saw the Aviator, she you know hell of an. I wish she'd do more of that too. 
seriously. Anyway, there's just some random thoughts for exactly. Gwen Stefani. Exactly. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for coming to get a little crazy on this episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm, episode 89. Next. Oh my gosh, 89, I man. Know. I'm just so like, it's, woo. It's wild. Woo. It's wild. Next week is the big 90th. Oh, mm. see what we have going on then. Probably a special top five. Let's see what we oh, got yeah, we think so, in right? the works, in the works. We got to thank our guests one more time, Zachary Ray Sherman, for coming on the show and giving a little insight on his life, his story, and promoting his latest and greatest movie, Cuck, that is on all of those streaming platforms for sure on Amazon, so go check that one out. Absolutely. Make sure to follow us on social media, the company, at Crazy Ant Media. You can see what we post. We post at least twice a day, and we interact with basically everyone who Everybody. interacts with us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to talk to us, talk to us. We will talk back. Exactly, it's exactly. Fantastic. And follow our personal accounts as well, myself, at JLFantastic, and Crazy Ant Guy 1970. That's right, all over social media. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast Anywhere you get your podcast, that's Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, and so many more. Oh, I also forgot in our social media plug. We're also on Pinterest. Yes, we're on like, Pinterest yeah. now. We're pinning things to boards. We you are. just don't even know. We like, are. We are. <laughs> be sure <laughs> the to company visit. and us. Exactly. So you know, you have no idea what you might see. No. Like that's really a don't. lot of boards and a lot of stuff. Come get crazy, man. Come get crazy. <laughs> Um, and make sure to visit our website, crazyantmedia.com, where you can click on our merchandise tab and go over to our shirts website, where we have the latest and greatest hats, sweatshirts, beach bags, hoodies, everything that you need in your closet, we have for you. It's true. It's true, true. man. And once we start revealing more about our projects, we will start putting more merchandise designs on our website yeah. that has to do with our projects. Absolutely, yeah. And we're going to start ramping up a lot, of, a lot of stuff for the project soon. We're getting really close, guys. We're getting like – it's exciting times. Yeah, seriously. It is exciting times. I, it's just super stoked. Yeah, Tavia's been killing it i know you guys miss hearing her around but she is killing it right now in the writing game so we appreciate everything that she does for us absolute pleasure to have around and she's the reason we stay somewhat sane even though somewhat. she's a little crazy we're really crazy <laughs> yes, so yes. she's the reason she's we stay the sane. least insane out of the all of us yes that's a if if that's even possible i don't know i, know. I, I think clinically we're all insane a little bit but 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 she's allowed to not wear the suit straight jacket exactly it'd be hard to write with a straight jacket <laughs> i bet she could do it just some telepathic shit <laughs> but right. telekinetic shit but i don't know i don't know oh anyway see that's why we're crazy you know who we need to help us exactly oh, oh bro, bro.